Good afternoon, Roster Watch Nation. It's the Trash Man, and this is the Fantasy Fallout going into week five of the NFL season. Up first, the Vikings at the Rams. The Vikings lost this one 31 to 38. Kirk Cousins at 422 yards, three touchdowns. He bounced back nicely after an absurd loss to Buffalo in week three against the stout Rams defense. He'll play a solid, he'll be a solid play. Versus the Eagles in Philly in week five. Dalvin Cook only got 10 touches for 20 yards as he was on a snap count, ruining some fantasy weeks in the process. I'm not certain he's fully healthy, but he does get three extra days to heal up this week. Latavius Murray only had four touches, so I'm not worried about him taking snaps. Laquan Treadwell has dropped more passes than anyone in the league, and Aldrick Robinson already has two more touchdowns. Well, one more touchdown. He has two of them. I know Treadwell is getting more playing time now, but if I was looking to grab a piece of the Vikings offense that isn't already taken, I would take a look at Robinson. Nothing really new going on in the Rams end on the other side of the ball. All their skilled players, um, except for their tight ends, are must-starts. I do find it interesting that Jared Goff is owned in less than 90% of leagues. I think he should be owned in almost all of them or all of them. Um, he's on fire, and he could end up being a top-five quarterback to end the season. Moving on to the next game, the Saints at the Giants. The Saints won this one 33-18. It was the Alvin Kamara show, 24 touches, 181 yards, three touchdowns in this one. No other Saints player had more than five touches on the day. Mark Ingram returns this week coming up, and there will be plenty of action for him as it's pretty much just been uh, Kamara and Michael Thomas every week. No, the Saints defense didn't play over their heads in this one. Eli Manning just turned back into a pumpkin after turning it up in week three. Um, this was arguably the best matchup he was going to have all year. He ended up with 255 yards and a touchdown, uh, and he squandered it. He goes right back on the shelf, in my opinion. I'm not using him. Someone I might use, though, at least for the next couple weeks, Sterling Shepard, 10 receptions, 77 yards, and one touchdown. He led the Giants in receiving and is majorly benefiting from tight end Evan Ingram's two- to four-week absence. Is this a sell-high moment for Shepard? Seems like it to me. I think he goes back to being fourth on the totem pole when Ingram returns. Odell Beckham has yet to score this season, and it's starting to wear on me. And him, I imagine, if, you, if, you, if you've watched his sideline histrionics during the game. The scores should come, but in the meantime, I think it's worth reaching out to his owners. He's playing well enough that they're still intent on holding on to him, but maybe just with one open hand instead of two clenched fists. The next game, Dolphins at the Patriots. Dolphins put up a goose egg. Patriots had 38 points. Frank Gore has outtouched Kenyon Drake over four games, 35 to 33. Some of it came in garbage time this past week as the Pats served Miami up its first loss of the season. But Drake's usage has been going down over the last two games. I'm not saying Drake needs to be cut, but I am saying that Gore needs to be owned in deeper formats. On the other side of the ball, Sony Michel was impressive in his first game as New England's lead back, 112 yards, one touchdown. The loss of Rex Burkhead to injured reverse Injured reserve has cleared the way for limited touches, making him an instant RB2 with room to be, an even, to be even better. 
Houston didn't sap James White's production, 112 yards, two touchdowns, but Julian Edelman's return next week might. White led the Pats in receiving with eight receptions, and I don't see that often being the case with Edelman around. Josh Gordon, the newest Patriot, had two receptions for 32 yards. He was limited to just 18 of 81 snaps on Sunday. His snaps are sure to go up, but he's a risky start until he's getting at least half of those snaps, I think, although he can always put up the big play. Chris Hogan has all but disappeared from the Pats game plan, it seems. Brady has been inaccurate going deep. He's had four interceptions to nine touchdowns this season, but Hogan only had one target in week four. The return of Adam will only complicate things for him, too. Moving on to the next game, the Eagles at the Titans. The Eagles lost this one 23-26. Alshon Jeffrey returned to game action with a splash on Sunday, racking up 105 yards and one touchdown on eight receptions. His return had the most impact on Dallas Geddard, it seems, who only had two targets on the day. Nelson Aguilar only had five receptions for 22 yards, but he had 12 targets to Jeffrey's nine. Wendell Smallwood, running back, served in the backup role to JHI and had a serviceable game in PBR formats. Eight touches, 54 yards. He's a decent PPR flex as long as Sproles and Clement are sidelined. On the other side of the ball, Marcus Mariota appears to be healthy after being almost unable to feel his fingers due to an elbow injury just recently. He had 344 yards, 44 yards rushing, and three touchdowns. He'll continue to be in the quarterback one conversation in week five against the lowly Bills. Derrick Henry lost snaps to Deion Lewis as the Titans are playing from behind much of the game, but he's just the kind of guy I'm aiming for in trades now that Marriott is healthy and teams will have to respect the pass. He's capable of taking over games and he should get plenty of run with the Titans playing the Bills in Week 5. Now this, the 9 reception, 161 yards, 1 touchdown, Corey Davis is the one we've been waiting to encounter. With no Delaney Walker around, he's well within the realm of wide receiver 1 numbers as long as Marriott is healthy. I was expecting a Taewon Taylor breakout in week four with Rashard Matthews gone, and we were right on the cusp of it. Seven receptions for 77 yards. Taylor needs to be owned in all formats as the number two wide receiver on a team that is ramping up its production. Next game, the Bengals at the Falcons. The Bengals won this one by one point, 37 to 36. Andy Dalton has been prolific the past two weeks, throwing for over 335 yards in both games with five touchdowns to show for it. He's also been without Joe Mixon in the backfield, both of those games, and he has just as many interceptions to match touchdowns. I'm dubious of his quarterback one status, but Dalton does have Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans four out of his next five games. I think he's worth using under that span. Tyler Boyd, had 11 receptions for 101 yards. He's the wide receiver 17 on the season. Right now, he's ahead of guys like Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams. And while it's unlikely that those two stay behind him, it's evident that Boyd is the real deal. He's still unowned in almost 30% of leagues. And that's, and that's unacceptable. He needs to be rostered and started in all formats until further notice. Tyler Eifert is the Mr. Glass of the NFL. If you're an M. Night Shyamalan fan, you'll understand what I'm talking about there. His broken ankle ends his season early. He's never played a full season. And he's only topped eight games twice in six seasons. It's a pity as he was just starting to trend upward. Tyler Croft and to a lesser extent C.J. Uzoma will fill in. Croft might actually be worth a stream this week if John Ross 
has to sit due to a hamstring or maybe groin injury, we're not sure yet, um, that he sustained in week four. Calvin Ridley on the other side of the ball, four reception, 52 yards, two touchdowns, is fantasy's number one wide receiver if we're talking about fantasy points through four games. This has everything to do with the six touchdowns as he has only 264 yards in the year. He's highly touchdown dependent, but is the only Falcon catching touchdowns on a regular basis, it seems. Ridley's floor is suspect, but he's a high, he has a high, as high as an upside as anybody else in the league right now. Muhammad Sanu had a nice six reception, 111-yard game, but I'm guessing it had mostly to do with the Falcons going against his old team. Matt Ryan even said as much. Um, Sanu hadn't topped 36 yards before this one all season, so I'm not in a hurry to add him anywhere. On to the next game, the Buccaneers at the Bears. Buccaneers lost this one 10 to 48. Jameis Winston, 145 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, took over from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had 126 yards and one interception. To start the second half of Sunday's blowout loss to the Bears, and he's going to stay there, at least for the time being. He completed 80% of his passes, which is pretty good for a first game back after the time he's been out. He gets the Falcons this week, which to me makes him a sneaky high upside play. I said last week that Peyton Barber is playing too poorly to not allow Ronald Jones to get a shot at the lead back job. And that's exactly what transpired on Sunday. Jones couldn't get much going, 28 yards, but his 11 touches topped Barber's 8. He may not be worth starting yet, but Jones needs to be owned where possible. O.G. Howard sprained his MCL on Sunday, sidelining him from two two to four weeks. This outlook, coupled with the fact that Jameis Winston has favored Cameron Brayton in the past, brings Brayton to streaming consideration against this Falcon against the Falcons this week and beyond and beyond. Winston also seems to like Adam Humphreys more than Chris Godwin. Godwin had 31 snaps to Humphreys 49 and four fewer receptions. I keep watch this week. It shouldn't become a trend, but it's disconcerting to say the least. On the other side of the ball, Mitch Trubisky, 354 yards, six touchdowns, had the best game of his career Sunday, maybe the best game he ever has. His yards per attempt have been increasing in every game, but I'm still cautious as he only threw the ball 26 times. The Bears are off this week, but will have a good test in week six against Miami. The Bears finally decided to get Tariq Cohen involved early, and it paid off. 174 yards and one touchdown. The offense comes to life when he's in the game, and hopefully they've realized that. Cohen's only owned in 62% of the leagues, so he needs to be picked up, even in a bye week. He'll be even more of an asset if Anthony Miller is still out with a dislocated shoulder by then. Taylor Gabriel has more receptions on the season than any Bear pass catcher that isn't Tariq Cohen, and Tariq Cohen had 13 of them on Sunday. Um... As teams endeavor to stifle Allen Robinson, Trubisky is content to depend on Gabriel. Always talented but inconsistently used in the past, Gabriel is a high upside pickup pick going into the bye. On to the next game, the Lions at the Cowboys. Lions lost this one 24-26. Carry on Johnson, 56 yards, one t- touchdown. Started his day off with a 36-yard scamper, but he couldn't get much going after that. He only out-touched LeGarrette Blunt 10-7, which is a little demoralizing for those owners who are expecting him to take the lead. He's still worth flexing, but Johnson hasn't displaced Blunt as yet, and there's a real possibility he won't do that this season. 
on the other side of the ball. It's still not worth starting any Cowboy not named Ezekiel Elliott. Cole Beasley is worth rostering in PPR formats. And tight end Jeff Swaim looks like he's rounding into a streaming option, but I'm not bothering with either of them now. Um, Michael Gallup actually also had a decent catch. Looks like they're starting to use him a little bit more. Keep an eye on him. On to the next game. The Bills at the Packers. The Bills got blanked. Packers had 22. The Bills' offense is useless for fantasy purposes right now with an erratic Josh Allen under center. LaShawn McCoy only touched the ball eight times, and the game plan was to get him the ball. That doesn't make any sense. Flex him at your own peril in week five. On the other side of the ball, Aaron Jones was Green Bay's best back on the ground, 65 yards and a touchdown on Sunday, even though he played behind Jamal Williams. He should see more work going forward, as should Ty Montgomery, if Randall Cobb can't go in Week 5. Jamal Williams is fading fast, and I do my best to unload him onto another owner. Marquez Valdez-Scantling sounds like a, a law firm. One reception, 38 yards. He was filling in the slot for Randall Cobb. He may be an intriguing dynasty ad, but he didn't get the kind of run we were expecting in Week 4. I'm hands-off for Week 5. Even if Cobb sits, I'm just not sure he's trustworthy right now. On to the next game. The Texans at the Colts. The Texans at 37, Colts 34. His usage is hovering around 15 touches per game, but Lamar Miller's production has decreased in every contest thus far. Alfred Blue had only three less touches this game, and that's bad news for Miller owners who are squeezing every drop out of him to get back in RB2 production. What's worse for Miller is the emergence of rookie Kiki QT, who was targeted 15 times. He had 11 receptions, 109 yards in his first game this season. The Texans realized if they can't run the ball behind their Puget line, they may be able to use the short pass like the run. QT needs to be owned in all formats moving forward. Will Fuller was taken out of Sunday's matchup due to a hamstring injury. This is a trend, folks. He doesn't play until Monday night, so he has a few extra days to rest. But if he sits, or one extra day, rather, um, if he sits, QT is almost a must-start, in my opinion. On the other side of the ball, Andrew Luck threw 62 times for 464 yards and four touchdowns in the overtime game with the Texans. Both the attempts and the yards were a career high. You know, maybe he was trying to prove a point after giving up a Hail Mary attempt to Jacoby Brissett in week three, or maybe the Colts just can't run the ball. No Colts back had more than 16 yards on the ground. Luck has a short week to prepare for a Thursday night game in the Foxborough. I imagine he'll be sore. Um, and the Pats tend to take out your best weapon, which is probably Andrew Luck. So I'm not counting on him to feast again. Rookie Naheem Hines led the Colts in receptions with nine and picked up 64 yards and two touchdowns in the process. His usage has gone up every game, it seems, and he's bordering weekly flux consideration with the ground game being as poor as it is. T.Y. Hilton injured his hamstring on Sunday. is unlikely to play this week. Chester Rogers stepped up in this game, eight receptions, 85 yards, and he may be able to get open consistently against the Pats. I don't know. Newland takes away your best weapon. The Colts don't really have one outside of Andrew Luck, so maybe Rodgers has a shot in deeper format. Moving on to the next game. The Jets at the Jaguars. The Jets had 12, the Jaguars 31. Sam Darnold 
had 167 yards and one touchdown. And one touchdown. He's having considerable growing pains this season, and it's dampening the outlooks of all of his skill players. Bilal Powell and Quincy Anunma are the only Jets I'm considering in Week 5. On the other side of the ball, Leonard Fournette had 35 yards. He was only back long enough for us to miss him again before the Jets pulled him in a blowout loss to the Jets. The fact that the Jags are playing the Chiefs this week coming might persuade the Jags to rest Fournette in what should be a pass-heavy game. Keelan Cole had his second stinker in back-to-back weeks. 40 yards last week, 15 yards this past week. While D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief boomed. It seems that at least one of these guys gets left out every week, but it's impossible to tell who it's going to be. The Jags play the Chiefs this week, fortunately, so they're all fair game in my opinion, if you want to trot them out there. On to the next game, the Seahawks at the Cardinals. The Seahawks won this one 20-17. Doug Baldwin led the Seahawks with seven targets, 41 yards, in his first start of the season. He didn't seem to have any setbacks, so he should be good to go against the Rams, who are susceptible to slot receivers or receivers who go over the middle in what will have to be a shootout if Seattle hopes to compete. Rashad Penny, 49 yards. He played behind Mike Davis, who had 124 yards and two touchdowns, even with Chris Carson sitting. Carson should be back this week. But Davis may have earned himself more playing time. Even if Carson sits, Penny probably isn't worth fantasy consideration right now. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. The Roster Watch Pro podcast is now available for pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all pro podcasts as well as our tools for fantasy draft season like the epic and magical mystical cheat sheets, in-season tools like the matchup tool, snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependencies, so much more. And then our DFS products, including the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel, the Vegas tool, the Hyper DFS Professional Lineup Optimizer, and so much more. If you play preseason DFS, Roster Watch Pro is for you. We'll have weekly previews of the main slates for all of our pro members mixed in with exclusive content from the 2018 training camp tour. And then in season, you're going to be able to enjoy Byron Lambert's legendary trade cast, uh, the waiver wire podcast, uh, premium podcasts like our weekly DFS breakdown. All this, all our tools, and all the access to us that you can imagine for the lowest price in the industry. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. On the other side of the ball, Josh Rosen, Rosen was shaky at times in his first NFL start. He was 15 of 27, 186 yards and a touchdown. But he opened up the downfield pass. Um, two potential touchdowns were dropped, I saw. Uh, he's opening up the running game for David Johnson, who had 102 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Christian Kirk had four receptions for 28 yards. He was behind only Larry Fitzgerald in target Sunday with five. But he and Rosen weren't able to connect on anything worthwhile. He's still worth a stash. But big days may have to wait, or they'll be inconsistent at least, while Rosen gets his legs under him. Moving on to the next game, the Browns at the Raiders. The Browns lost this one 42-45. Baker Mayfield, 295 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Should have had his second win on Sunday. If not for a very questionable call by the refs that should have allowed the Browns to kill the clock in regulation. Even so... He distributed the ball evenly 
throughout his pass catchers with Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway getting 10 and 9 targets respectively. The good thing to take away here is that Landry, Callaway, and even Rashard Higgins should have fantasy value moving forward. David Njoku, tight end, came to life with five catches for 52 yards in this one. I think he's firmly back in the tight end one mix and needs to be added if he's been dropped in your league. Nick Chubb led the Browns in rushing on only three carries. He had 105 yards and two touchdowns. I'm kicking myself for this one after I was deciding whether to play him or Jalen Richard when I found out that uh, Chris Carson was inactive. I ended up going with Richard, unfortunately. Carlos Hyde is still the starter, but they have to get Chubb in the mix. They haven't been using him really at all lately, but this game, you can't deny his production. He's worth a pickup in all formats, though I'm not committed to starting him outside the flex in deeper leagues. Marshawn Lynch on the other side of the ball, 23 touches, 153 yards, looked 10 years younger in this game, tearing off violent chunks of yardage all day. If there was any argument that Doug Martin would compete for the starting job, it has been readily dispensed with. Amari Cooper decided to show up this week, eight receptions and 128 yards and one touchdown. It's going to be like this all season, folks, up and down, so be prepared for that roller coaster of emotions. Jordy Nelson has benefited from the recent move to slot receiver for the Raiders. He had five receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. He's only owned in 66% of leagues, but I think he could end up being the most consistent receiver for the Raiders when all is said and done. On to the next game, the 49ers at the Chargers. 49ers lost this one 27-29. C.J. Beathard put up a gutsy performance, 298 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions against the Chargers on Sunday, almost bringing home the win. The 49ers are only asking him to make short passes, which he seems to be capable of, and which will benefit tight end George Kittle, who had six receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Matt Breida is the back to own in San Francisco. He played 38 snaps to Alfred Morris's 14, and he performed much better. He had 12 touches, 71 yards to Morris's five touches and 18 yards. He's just more useful to a back like Beathard who needs speed and pass catching out of his back. Marquise Goodwin had a stinker, two receptions for 24 yards, but it may be attributed to his lingering leg injury. I think he's a good trade target this week. He'll return the decent value when he heals up, even with Beathard under center. He had good games with him last season. On the other side of the ball, I said that Mike Williams would be touchdown dependent, and this performance displayed his floor. He had one reception for 15 yards. He'll be in the flex conversation every week. He's got to, but this is the kind of risk you're going to have to take with Williams if you want to play him. Antonio Gates, two receptions for 27 yards and a touchdown, has had two back-to-back five-target games. He deserves a look in deeper formats. He's going to get action, particularly in the red zone. In the last game of Sunday, the Ravens at the Steelers. Ravens won this one 26-14. Alex Collins' fumbling issues aren't helping him in the lead-back department. He was benched for the rest of the first half after losing the ball early. He's still a running back, too, but Buck Allen may just out-touch him in Week 5. Willie Sneed 
is averaging over 10 points per game in PBR formats. His ceiling is low, but he does seem to have a rock-solid floor so far. On the other side of the ball, James Conner was a victim of game flow Sunday night. And I don't think the Steelers' matchup with the Falcons this week really benefits him either, as it should be particularly pass-heavy. He's a running back, too, after his white-hot start to the season. And last but not least, Vance McDonald bulldozing his way to his second straight good performance, five receptions for 62 yards, and he needs to be owned in more than 40% of leagues. His smash-mouth style is just the kind of ball that the Steelers are used to playing, and I think he'll continue to get action. So that is the fantasy fallout going forward to Week 5. There's another game tonight. But that's it for the Trash Man this week. Good luck in Week 5. Look out for the garbage grab later in the week in my flex rankings. I'll see you.